Good evening and welcome to Pop Culture Double Date. Um, we haven't podcasted for a while. Um, I think simply because there wasn't that much that we were super keen to watch recently. Um, I think there was It Part 2, and I don't think any of us had seen It Part 1, so we weren't really going to do that one. Um, but lo and behold, um, the Downton Abbey film came out, and amongst our group, um, Maggie and Anija, say hello guys. Hi! Um, had as sort of Downton Abbey fans, and so we thought we'd go see the Downton Abbey film. Jerry, say hello as well, because we know that you are not a Downton Abbey fan and have never seen an episode of Downton in your life. Is, is that accurate? Hello as well, and yes, it is accurate. I've seen not a single episode of this show. So yeah, tonight I think our podcast is going to be pretty interesting, because there's going to be two decent fans, I'd say, like... In Anager and Mags, one one person who's seen, you know, a few seasons of it, like me, that that's me, and Jerry, who's seen nothing, basically, of this before, so, yeah. Um, yeah, the Downton Abbey film. Um, let's just get into it, shall we? Um, so, I don't really know where to start, so I'm going to let one of the two Downton Abbey fans... Maggie, you go... <laughs> Oh my! Okay, Mags, Mags. So, <laughs> so why don't you give us your initial impressions? Like, um, obviously, as someone who has some sort of background in the series, and also just whether you would give a quick recommendation or not for this film. Okay, uh, so I'll give a brief synopsis of what the film is about. Uh, so, well, Downton Abbey is um, a series, an English series. Um, sat, uh, set in an English country manor. Um, it's about a family, the Crawleys, who are an aristocratic family, um, and their titles are the, I think they're the Earl and the um, Lady of um, Grantham. And so it follows the family from sort of the turn of the century up to the 20s, um, the Earl and the Lady of Grantham, the grandmother and their three daughters and the people who cross their paths principally their cousins and other relatives and uh, their love interests. Yes, who are also their cousins, (laughs) as far as I remember. (laughs) 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 But technically not blood relatives. (laughs) Um, So if you like that kind of, you know, genre of, um, of, you know, richly... um, uh, richly told English drama of about rich people, principally. <laughs> um, then, yeah, this is for you. Um, so the movie um, takes place after the end of the sixth season. That was the final season for the entire series, uh, and it's about um, a visit by the king and the queen of England who are doing a tour of the English countryside. And it takes place over about three days, I think, and um, it involves all of the remaining characters who live in the um, in the manor. So up, I guess the um, we say upstairs. So the intrigues upstairs, as well as the intrigues downstairs of the servants who um, take care of the family and look after the manor. Um, 
I love the series. Um, I love that kind of gentle drama, I suppose, and um, the costumes, the dialogue, um, which I found, you know, quite witty, particularly um, by the grandmother who's played by Maggie Smith. Um, and the movie is kind of like, is, is kind of a loving rendition of the series, which they tried to package up, you know, within two and a half hours. It was quite long, um, and to me it felt almost like an extended Christmas special. Um, so if you're a fan of the series and, you you know, you've got two and a half hours spare on a weeknight or on a, you know, Sunday afternoon, I'd recommend it from that perspective. Um, but if you're not a fan of the series and not a fan of that kind of genre, I suspect you'd find it morbidly boring. Hmm. Anjo, do you want to get an alternative yeah. fan perspective? Uh, no, I think I agree with that. I think it's hard to still call me a fan because I did watch almost all of it except for the very last season, but I can't remember any of it, which kind of suggests that it didn't – well, I, I remember little bits and pieces, so I don't think it really stuck with me very much. The movie I thought was really kind of slow to get started – but once it got started and got going a little bit, I found it a very pleasant, sweet little movie. Um, it was really, it was actually nice to see all those old characters back on the screen again, um, which is why I kind of agree with Mags that if you didn't have that part where you were recognising people and characters and all of that, would, would you have enjoyed it as much? I don't know. Um, I did find myself surfing my phone a fair bit during the movie. <laughs> So uh, that's not which is good. Not, it's not great, but it's not. It's not because it was a terrible movie. It's just I felt like I could multitask while watching it <laughs> and still enjoy it because it was kind of slow. It's a telly, <laughs> it's a telly movie, right? Yeah, a sweet telly movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was quite okay. I'm not sure that it was that funny, but. We were in a movie theatre with a lot of people who laughed really hard at some of the uh. jokes, and I found myself laughing because they were laughing, <laughs> and it was just, you know. Um, and some of the, I, I will say, the, you know, you know how Mary, Lady Mary, she does go on a little bit of a, oh, it's all so hard. Yes, yeah. Hard. How am I going to, how am I going to manage with all these servants <laughs> and all this luxury and it's so hard. <laughs> and that's like, that just made me laugh. But, <laughs> so, there's, so some of it is a little hard to swallow, but um, I do, you know, it's sweet. I do love that genre. So I was always going to you know, be predisposed to being okay with it. What about you, Gerald or Darren? Uh, look, why don't I go first and Jerry can be the surprise at the end because I, I think <laughs> I, I don't have a huge amount to say about this film. I, I think I probably agree with Mags and Andrew. It was like a, like for me, it was like a pretty unassuming film. It was pretty sweet, It was, but it was pretty fluffy. There wasn't... A huge amount of substance, but I enjoyed it. Right? It was it was mm. kind of like, um, and it was well-meaning as well. I, I think the main reason I enjoyed it was that it wasn't a mean film. It wasn't a like it wasn't didn't purport to be anything but like sort of gentle drama about English aristocracy, right? And you mm. know, so in that sense, I was quite happy with it. I left it with a smile on my face. Um, I. I genuinely felt that 
I, I agree with Mags that it kind of felt like a telling movie. It felt like basically they ended the series and look, the, the cynical view of this would be that Julian Fellows, the guy who writes it and created it, I want to say, Mags, you can verify that, but Julian mm, Fellows basically... Can. So Julian Fellows maybe said, look, I kind of want to milk this franchise for a little bit more, like if you're cynical. Um, and so they just made a two-hour film that didn't really rock the boat too much. It wasn't like the status quo changed significantly. It was just like a really... an extended episode in which um, they were given the opportunity to give basically everyone a happy ending, um, which mm. I felt was fine, right? Like, I, I think nowadays we try to be so edgy and tough and, like, sort of you know, sort of subverting expectations and all this type of stuff. And this was a film that was about not about that at all. It was just about giving characters that I guess had developed through a TV series a happy ending. And in fact, numerous times in this movie, characters say, I just feel quite happy. And people <laughs> saying that on screen actually made me happy as well. I was like, oh, these people are content. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's like minor drama that goes on, right? Like people, rich people complaining about how hard it is to manage an estate. But at the end of the day, everybody's pretty happy and... You know, look, I mean, if you think about it, something major does happen. Someone tries to assassinate the king, but oh. that is, like, blows over in, like, two seconds, right? <laughs> and then it just goes on to be about, like, English aristocracy stuff. So, yeah, I thought it was really sweet, and I think that if you like Downton, I would probably recommend this as well. Um, I don't know what it's like for people who don't like Downton, so I'm going to throw it over to Gerald. Um like, did you know what was going on at all, Jerry? Like, what was your view? <laughs> okay. <laughs> to take a few steps back, the show had been described to me a couple of times by a couple of people who were enthusiastic about it. And every time it was described to me or every time I read about it in synopsis form or otherwise, I just thought I have zero interest in this material. Downton Abbey sounded like an <laughs> Agatha Christie story without the murder. And I already find Agatha Christie really boring. So if, 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 if Agatha Christie with murders is boring, just how boring would Agatha Christie without a murder be? So I, I, I just had zero interest in the source material. And I've got to say, I don't think I have ever watched a film in which the stakes were so <laughs> minuscule and low. <laughs> <laughs> A movie about people preparing to host the king and queen of that that's the full plot of the movie. And you're like it's a what? Big deal, what is this? Jerry, it's a huge deal. It's a king and queen of England. Well king and country. Okay. Okay, first of all, <laughs> The monarchy can just piss off. Or, you know. yes, I, I, yes, I do happen to be one of Her Majesty's subjects. But you know what? That enti the entire House of Windsor can get stuffed as far as I'm con concerned. And their comings and goings and their comfort in big country houses during the course of their tours of the English countryside is something I could not give a rat's ass about. And this entire movie was about that. I just, I just could not believe. <laughs> but I don't think you minded it. it. 
<laughs> I don't think he minded the movie that much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he hated it. Adager is giving Gerald his opinion right now. I would have known if you'd hated it. I didn't, I didn't find think the experience did. of the movie unpleasant. But I did find it befuddling because it <laughs> okay. was such a nothing movie. It was like, like if I, I, I have never encountered to such a degree a movie so about nothing or so about nothing I care about. And so I have no interest in English aristocracy. I have no love for or uh, interest in or respect for the institution of the English monarchy. Um, and these characters were all sort of like foreign to me. And some of them were just, I mean, there's an entire subplot in this movie about the staff at Downton Abbey and how they would rather, com- they would rather tiptoe to the point of committing treason than take the night off. And it was like, if I worked at one of these houses and the royal household came in and said, we'll take it over from here and you guys take the night off, I'd be like, sweet, I'll take the night off. But there's an entire B-plot about these about the downstairs staff at Downton Abbey basically committing all manner of hijinks um, in order to displace the royal household staff just so they get the privilege of serving the king and queen. And I just, I just don't get that. Like, that yes. attitude is just so foreign to me and seems fundamentally absurd. And yes. so the what? character of Carter <laughs> like, is so absurd. He's the most Adjust. absurd Adjust. person I've ever seen. He's, he's the butler, for God's sake, and he's the biggest snob in the entire movie. Which butler? I, I just don't understand the, the king's I just butler do not understand or... this movie. Jerry, which butler the, the are you king, talking about? The king's butler is not a butler. No, no, I'm not talking about <laughs> yeah, That's no, true, he's not, not a butler. <laughs> The waiter off the back stairs or something. Gerald, how would you like it if some flashy barrister came to you on the morning <laughs> of your favourite high court case and oh. said, you know what, Gerald, take the night off. Okay, just, just take the day off. I'm taking over on this one. Look, Don't you think you'd have been furious? So, look, so long, as, so long as I still got paid, I'd be like, <laughs> oh, you're yeah. a liar. You're a liar. Sweet <laughs> Uh-uh. <laughs> but like this movie was uh, like it was so disposable right it was so completely and utterly disposable and forgettable um and if it weren't for you reminding me darren i would have completely forgotten the fact that an, an assassination attempt was made on the king because it was such a throwaway like c-plot and resolved in such a sort of incompetent, uh, utterly unthrilling fashion that uh, that I, I it had completely slipped my mind. So, look, as an experience of the cinema, the movie was not unpleasant, um, and uh, there was a degree of engagingness in some of these characters. For instance, um, I don't think I'd be the first person to say that this Tom bloke seems like a quite an engaging tar- character. But um, for the most part, I, I just sat through this thing thinking to myself, A, what's the point? And B, this thing should have been given the title First World Problems, the movie, because um, <laughs> <laughs> there was absolutely no drama, 
Well, no dramatic tension to speak of. Well, <laughs> no real conflict <laughs> with any stakes. And I was just, you know, half, an hour and a half later, I came out of the cinema thinking to myself, well, if this, if this, if the entire show was like this, if there was six seasons of of stakes so low, then I feel very sorry for all the people who invested so much time and energy and enthusiasm into following this because it was completely lost on me. Given how you feel, it actually says a lot about the movie that you found it pleasant and quite engaging, right? Like, given all the facts around how you feel about this type <laughs> of movie and, you know, everything you've said, I do think, and I feel the same way about it, I do think there's something about it, and I can't say what it is, but it is, like, it's not bad, and it's hard to say why, but... The fact that you found it pleasant and engaging, given how you feel, really speaks to something. Yeah. Well, it's because, look, none of the characters is particularly unpleasant. Like, if this was a a movie about genuinely snobby people being really, really snobby and horrible to their staff... Mm. The characters are good. Yeah. Yeah. It would have Mm. been something... It would have been truly objectionable. But the fact of the matter is, like... um, the 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 snobbiest person in the entire movie is, as I said before, Carson, the ex butler at Downton Abbey. And look, he he seems to me to be a fundamentally absurd character. And maybe he's meant to be. Maybe he was meant to be in the show. And so I just sort of I just sort of watched him and thought to myself, what a complete doofus. Um, and he was the only character about whom I felt that way. Like everyone else seemed more or less unobjectionable like i didn't find the lady dowager for instance played by maggie smith all that sort of cutting or snide even though that's what she's meant to be i think Mm -hmm. um i know we we were sitting in the cinema where um everyone around us was pretty old and pretty white and they all found everything she said hilarious uh i didn't find a single thing she said particularly funny um i know but but the thing is I think a lot of this, a lot of her lines, as written, were actually not funny at all. They're probably given life by Maggie Smith's delivery and performance of those one-liners, because in the absence of her raised eyebrow and slight twinkle in the eye, um, I think her character is completely inconsequential and falls completely flat in this movie. So um, this felt like this felt like an extended. This felt like an extended act of fan service, and given that I wasn't one of those fans, it could have been an absolute disaster, and it wasn't. So if that's damning with faint praise, so be it, but yeah. Yeah, I think I... Look, I think that point about this kind of being extended fan service is feels pretty accurate, right? Like, um, yeah, like definitely... Like, to the point of the drama, like, my memory of the TV series was that there was probably more melodrama, right? Like, you know, you had people going to jail, people being framed for, like, crimes and stuff like that. You had, like, I guess, sort of gold diggers and sort of just sort of, like, issues, like, real sort of issues. And you had actual deaths, right? People who would go to war and then come back and then, like, get into car accidents and all this type of stuff, right? So, like, there was definitely much more, like, straight-up straight up melodrama in the TV series. And mm. I felt like in the movie, they deliberately didn't do that because in some ways, Downton Abbey, like... 
I felt like as an act of fan service, they felt like they couldn't. It's kind. Of, it's almost like the sitcom thing, right? Like every episode, you know, like The Simpsons, for example, right? Every every ep- at the end of every episode of The Simpsons, things go back to a status quo, right? And I kind of felt with this film, like Julian Fellow sat there and was like, "Well, I want to give a sort of love letter to the fans, but at the end of." this experience, I can't have fundamentally changed things too much, right? Because um, mm. it, it would have been super weird, right? That all of a sudden, like, you know, you've had six seasons and then in the space of a two-hour movie, like, one of them turns out to be an alien or something like that. I, I don't know. Right? Like, <laughs> do you, you know what I mean? You can't yeah. have that sort of, that level of melodrama in this sort of context. So, and I think, like, the most, the biggest bombshell they kind of dropped was the fact that the um, Maggie Smith's character was... Spoilers! I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this for a Downton Abbey podcast, but spoilers for Downton Abbey. Um, Maggie Smith's character is, um, like, dying of cancer or something like that. Or she's terminally ill or something like that, right? So, um, I mean, that is kind of a slight sort of rocking of the status quo, but not But without so... a death date, it's already super old, so yeah. what's the news? <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? It's not really changing the status quo. So in like, that sense, this is like... Can I like... just say, Maggie Smith has been old for a very long time. She's been old <laughs> for as long as I've been alive. I, I just don't remember a time when Maggie Smith wasn't old. So the fact that her character is on death's door at the end of this movie was like, Okay, well, that's really interesting, but fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I, I look, I mean, I, I agree with this idea that this was an extended bout of fan service in which um, not huge amounts of happen, happened. There were, like, small snippets of drama that kind of got resolved quite well. And, look, it's true. Everyone at this stage is quite likable, right? Like... <laughs> No, no, everyone's kind of a likable character there. <laughs> there's no one, like, even, yeah, there's literally no one who's unlikable. <laughs> like, even, yeah. This, yeah. Yeah. I think, like, I think the reason why it works, or why it's had such a good reception, um, is because they are drawing on a really strong fan base, and Julian Fellows probably didn't try as hard as he probably would have done in, in the series in creating dialogue and was relying more on um, people's um, existing relationships with each character. So that's part of, I think, why when you look at Rotten Tomatoes, it's done pretty well, actually, which was surprising given very mm. little in the movie. Um, and I think it's because the weight of the show has meant, and he, you know, he didn't do re- anything really wrong in the movie and in, in the dialogue. It just wasn't exciting um, so I think the reliance on existing relationships, like for me, for example, I came in with all that background in my head and, um, you know, the characters are already well known to me, um, and the way that they delivered their lines, um, were well known to me. I was disappointed actually that Maggie Smith wasn't used in the best possible way, um, and, you know, by the end of it, she actually did look really, really old. So, <laughs> that's side as well. So, I don't know if it's because um, maybe she couldn't, you know, um, participate in the in the filming as much as she wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I can see where Gerald's coming from, though. <laughs> if you've never watched it and you don't have that background, it's kind of hard to just jump right into it. 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I think I just wanted to uh, sort of... You guys were saying that in your cinema was... Because I'm actually quite interested in this, because I, I made this comment as well when we were looking around the cinema. In your cinema, was it full of... What was the demographic of the... It was very white, but it wasn't as old as I thought it would be. There were plenty of, like, mid, like more younger, middle-aged When you people, say younger, middle-aged, all... were you on the old, younger, <laughs> younger or... Our age. Our age, okay. We were, yeah, I, I, there were people our age there, like, or a little bit older, maybe. No, I'd say our age, and, and older people. But I was surprised that there were, like, younger people than I thought there'd be. Yeah. Like, in our cinema, I'll be honest, I, I, there were definitely more older people than I thought that, that in a, that in a normal film. Well, not in a normal mm. film. That's not that's not quite accurate. In a typical pop culture film with explosions, you would get a much younger demographic. But mm. This film had a... Yeah, it was quite a... It was And then it was reflected in the ads they were showing beforehand as well, right? Like, they were showing ads for like cruising and this sort of thing it was it was like oh this is different mm. <laughs> so, yeah i mean i went into the cinema expecting that this would be, we would be in the middle of a retirement home excursion and um the crowd it, wasn't. It, yeah, it, it was it wasn't that way i mean it was still like we were the i think the only people of color in the cinema um and that much I did expect, and that much was the case. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, the 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 um, this was not a crowd composed mainly or totally of geriatrics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look, I mean, <laughs> on reflection, look. To be honest, though, on reflection with this film, right? Like, this is probably the first film we've podcasted on where there hasn't been an explosion. Honestly, yeah. like zero yeah, CGI, like <laughs> zero yeah. CGI, no explosions, no like murders, essentially, right? Probably the only film we've ever podcasted about that's sad that had those things go happen. Sure. Can I say, and at the risk of, look, I, I, as I said before, I didn't find this movie an unpleasant experience and I didn't find it a completely boring experience, even though the, the stakes were non-existent and it was entirely inconsequential. Um, that that's in my contract. And if you had told me two months ago that I would find Downton Abbey relatively pleasant and engaging, and Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, one of the most boring films oh of the year, <laughs> I would not have believed you. But it is absolutely the case that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood <laughs> is such a stupidly, mind-bendingly, eye-crossingly dull film, and this, for all its you know, idiosyncrasies was not anywhere near as an anesthetically dull as that movie. Um, I mean, there's a credit to it, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't okay. know, I don't know how to take that. Is that like a backhanded comment to get, like, compliment to Julia Fellows, or is that a major bitch Julian <laughs> <laughs> Julian yeah, Fellows, better, you heard it here, better director than Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> From Gerald Ying. Quote Gerald Ying 2019. Do <laughs> another series, Julian Do it. Do it quick. Um, okay, well, look, um, I'm not sure there's that much more to talk about. Actually, okay, there's one thing I wanted to 
to talk about. The character of Branson, right, who is the... Oh, oh no, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Did you going. not feel that Branson. that guy is a ma- Branson? Branson? No, no, he's the he's the son-in-law, the Irish, the guy who stopped the assassination. Oh, Tom. 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 Tom Branson. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you not feel he's a massive? Like, do you think he's a gold digger? He's married <laughs> into the I've always super felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like the moment, okay, so he's married to this super rich family, right? And now he's managing their affairs. And then all of a sudden, the sort of, like, another rich heiress appears, right? Bang! He's onto her. Like... <laughs> so, so, Darren, so one thing I do remember from the show um, is that in one of the seasons, an issue popped up that for Tom, after his wife died, he found it really hard to be able to connect with another woman because he felt like he was now straddling two worlds so he couldn't date a woman who was like lower class and he couldn't date a woman who was upper class because he wasn't really either and so i feel like they were directly addressing that because this woman was exactly like him in a way that she also was straddling both worlds and so that was the pairing but i've always kind of thought tom a little bit. Yeah, I mean, to quote Kanye West, <laughs> I'm not saying he's a gold digger, but, you know, he's not, he's not dealing with any broke ladies, okay? No, so... no. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I say all power to him, you know? Sort of like... I mean, did you find I mean, I mean, that love, love story convincing, though? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, it happens so quickly, comes out of nowhere. They have about three interactions before, two or three interactions, completely inconsequential interactions before their first pash. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That was weird. I thought he was like, what did he, he he gave her a letter or like his number or something like that. And then, like, I thought that was it. That, that would be it. And then he just goes straight in for, for. I'm like, oh my god, what is this? The batch? Like, this is. Are we in like 1920s or 1930s England? Like, you can't do this. It's outrageous. Um, anyway, um, yes, I'm glad I wasn't the only one who thought that that love story was a little bit outrageous. Um, okay. Is there anything else we really want to talk about in this film? Are there any sort of moments you guys want to unpack or we're pretty okay with Can, can someone just, just tell me, you know, Mary's husband, do they end up happily in the series or is there a bit of drama? Like, it was just weird that he just kind of turned up at the end and I don't really remember him from the series because I don't think I watched the last one. Does anyone <laughs> remember what that was? My yeah, I thought he would have more of a, a profile in the movie because he's right and center on the um, movie poster, but he only appears for about two minutes at the end, and that's it. So he, I think, uh, from my recollection, they had a happy ending. They got married, oh. and he's uh, like a um, he was a playboy slash uh. race car driver. Right. Okay. And that was the controversy. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So what does he do now? He sells cars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, he played the same character on Downton Abbey that he plays in season two of The Crown. Oh. Who, who is he on The Crown? Yeah. He's Princess Margaret's husband. First husband. It's a good-looking one. The photographer. The photographer. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Like a sort, a sort of bad because from what you've described, Maz, he's like a bad boy sort of a bad boy. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's basically that guy. <laughs> yeah, same one. It's like his grandfather. <laughs> the grandfather of the one in the yeah. crown. <laughs> yeah, think about think, think about Downton as pre the crown. Yeah, because mm. this is nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, right? Is that um, right? I, I think I, there's I a know. reference. There's a reference to this movie being set in nineteen twenty seven. I consoled myself with, and that being the case, I consoled myself with the thought that um, that. Uh, a lot of these people would be wiped out in the Second World War. So, <laughs> oh, Jerry, don't, don't be like that. Don't be like that. As they were, they, they weren't going to hang around. <laughs> oh, Jerry. Oh, you know, you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> don't be so cynical. I think that's why he's hating himself, because he enjoyed it. Yeah, I exactly. Know. This is why he has to go at it so hard, because he liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, on that note, I'm closing this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thanks everybody for joining me. Um, Yeah, I will see you guys. We'll see everyone again soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.